0: The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church.
1: Well, once again, good morning, everybody. I love how, uh, as you look at the baptisms there, um, the last one you saw was a guy named Jesse. And Jesse was an individual who watches online, which we have people in our 945 that watch online every week. We are glad that you've joined us online right now. But Jesse was one of those people that Heather and, uh, Ryan last week said, hey, if you're at home watching online, but you know you need to get baptized, drive down here and we'll baptize you. And it was really, really amazing because he came down at the 11 o'clock, um, got baptized, and then told us afterwards, hey, just so you know, I was one of those that was you know called out of his house to drive here, I got baptized. And by the way, my wife got baptized two years earlier. And so we're just celebrating what God's doing right now. So it was really fun to see that happen. And man, I just celebrate the stories of life change. In fact, in a little bit here, you're gonna hear one of those stories of a family that a couple of them got baptized last week, and I'm excited about that. So if you're looking for a spot in scripture to land, um, Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to be in in one verse, in in verse 4 in particular. I'll I'll explain the context of it here in a few moments. So Philippians 4 is where we're going to end up. I've mentioned before that I have pet peeves, and I think we all do, um, and, and I'll just name one of mine, and it is this, that somehow in the world that you and I live in, every day is some sort of holiday. Anybody notice this? That, that if you, you actually go online and you can Google like holidays, and what you'll find is that every day there's three, four, five you know, holidays of, of some sort or another. And so I just did a little bit of homework just to give you a sampling. And I thought, you know what, since we're in the month of October, I'll just give you some of the holidays that are apparently celebrated by somebody in the month of October. So October 1st is National CD Player Day. So if you still have one, congratulations. <laughs> Hope a few weeks ago you really dug that one. Um, I was thinking about how in our home we still have a VHS player because we have old movies that are on VHS that we, you know, we'll put in every now and then. So anyway, um, October 2nd is National Name Your Car Day. Uh, did anybody, by the way, have a name for your car? Uh, raise your hands. Come on. Don't be ashamed of it if you have a name for your car. All right. There was a lot of people. That's quite a few. There was a lot of people in our first gathering that raised their hands and said they have a name for their car. I remember my daughter, uh, she got a Mazda a while back, and she named it Mazzi Pazazi. So there you go. But anyway. But um, anyway. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, October 6th, this is one that I don't celebrate, just to be clear with you on one hand, on another hand, I do. Um, October 6th is National Kale Day. Yeah, can I get a boo from anyone else? So, uh, but here's the other part, and I'm a little bit offended by this. October 6th is National Kale Day, but it's also um, National German American Day. So we kind of celebrate National German American Day, but why did that have to be coupled with Kale Day? I'm, that, that just doesn't, I don't dig that. So, um, October 9th is National Moldy Cheese Day. So if you, I I thought all cheese was mold. Isn't that kind of how, so, okay. Um, uh, Let's see, National Skeptics Day is October 13th. Um, And my immediate thought was maybe not, so, but that's that's a dad joke, so Merry Christmas for that one. Um, October 15th, and I am angry about this one. October 15th is National Handwashing Day. Shouldn't that be every day, multiple times a day? I'm like, if, if you're here today and you celebrate National Hand Washing Day by going, I should wash my hands today, something's wrong because that's not enough time every year. Um, so anyway, um, October 23rd, I was not going to share this one. But I thought, you know what? I'll do it because we're past the day. So now you'll forget by next year. October 23rd, yesterday is National Slap Your Annoying Coworker Day. <laughs> so that explains why Aaron came to my house and hit me and left yesterday. Um, a little offended by that. Um, October 30th, which is coming up here on Saturday is national candy corn day. Okay, all right, we're gonna have to poll. How many of you guys love candy corn? Okay, keep those hands up. Everybody look around and judge them. Okay, go ahead. Okay, hands down. How many of you go, I can't stand candy corns? Raise your hand, okay? Okay, here we go. Fight, 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 I'm just joking. Okay, I'm, okay then here's, here's this one. Now, here's the deal. If you're part of Grove and you're enjoying your experience, I love that. You may want to leave after I explain what I'm about to explain. So I'm warning you, fair warning. Today, I had this brilliant idea a few weeks ago. Putting my message together and realizing what today was, I decided we should do something. So here's how it went. I learned that today is National Baloney Day. So a few weeks ago, I came up with a brilliant idea. If you can't read, it says holy Baloney." It's got a, a, a piece of baloney with wings and a halo. And you're welcome for that. But here's the deal. A few weeks ago, I said, look, you guys, let's have some fun with National Baloney Day. And what we'll do is we'll wear baloney shirts or Oscar Mayer shirts, and we'll give away baloney in our gathering, and we'll have a baloney photo booth in the lobby, and somebody dressed as a piece of baloney, and we'll get pictures together. And they're all like, okay. And um, about a week and a half ago, uh, it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. (laughs) This is a horrible idea. So... (laughs) I just wanna let you know we scaled it back based on the wisdom of everyone else and not me, because I thought, what a great idea. Now, if you wanna leave, I totally get it, I really do. Um, Nevertheless, I still wanna celebrate National Baloney Day. So, I have some giveaways, and one of them is this amazing shirt I have on. Not the very shirt, um, because that's weird, but um, there's a couple of shirts we have we wanna give away. But I've got a little pop quiz I wanna offer you. And if you answer first hand up and answers correctly, you can win. And by the way, if you're online and you're watching, we also have giveaways for you. We're going to send to you, but you got to be the first to comment with the right answer. So let me jump in and ask this question. And it's a, it's a multiple choice question that you can answer. First answer gets a prize. So um, how many pounds of baloney are consumed annually by America? Is the answer A, 8 million pounds, B, 80 million pounds, or C, 800 million pounds? Anybody wanna raise your hand and answer that one, right here. B, 80 million is not correct. Another hand. Right here, what? A, A, eight million is not correct, so the easy answer, (laughs) C, yeah, that is correct. Come on, here here we go, okay. Mm. Can we we just do this, Geno Smith who? Right? I mean, come on, so good job, way to win. All right, second question. Okay, and this one, I'm gonna give you something else. We got a book I wanna give you. Um, Some of you have read Reader's Digest in the past. Anybody ever read it, subscribe to it? Um, I'm old school, so I remember reading Reader's Digest at like a grandparent's house, and they have a segment in there called Laughter is the Best Medicine. Anyone familiar with that? Here's a book of like a million of them, and so I thought that'd be kind of fun to give away. So second question is this, pretty simple. This is kind of an easy one. Um, Baloney is a city located in what country? So who's got it? Give me the answer, anyone? Don't yell it out. Throw the book at (laughs) him. Exactly. (laughs) Josh, I saw your hand first. It was Italy. It It still is, actually. So (laughs) congratulations. You win. By the way, I want to give a shout-out to Josh. He is one of our tutors on Wednesday evenings for our students, young people in the community, so appreciate that a ton. Give him a hand for that. But... It's also significant that a tutor got the right answer. So good job. All right. So, okay. Um, uh, let's see. I got another question here. This one is, um, what is the term for fear of laughter? Does anyone, anyone, no one's going to get this one. I did hear that. And I need, I need security to remove that person. Cause it was, somebody said nicophobia, and I'm not impressed at all deeply offended. No one's gonna get it. Okay, moving on. Last question is this. Um, what is the I'm not gonna give it to you now. I'm offended. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, okay. Gelatophobia, which I'm thinking like jello? Gelatophobia? Gelato? Let's move on. Okay, um, you get a shirt. This is the last one here. Um, the question is this. How many calories can you burn laughing for 10 minutes? Is it 5 calories, 15 calories, 50 calories, or 100 calories? Okay, first hand right on the end here. 100. It is not 100. It's not on another hand right here. 50 is the right answer. This is an easy one, so. There you go. Okay. Good job. All right. Okay. So here's the thing. What what am I trying to get to today? And I know the baloney Sunday is kind of an absurd, ridiculous idea, but, but let me jump in with this. There is something about our need to celebrate. And again, we live in a world where we're driven by fear, where a lot of what you read online and and things, you know, there's money generated by you clicking and it's driven by fear. It's to get you full of anxiety or wondering, curious about certain things that, that actually continue to drive th- those emotions that are not healthy emotions. And yet, as followers of Christ, I wanna remind us that we have reason to celebrate. And that needs to not be forgotten because like I said, we live in a world that more and more things go like, do you know how serious things are? How can you laugh right now? And I would say this, I had a pastor years ago say it this way. If you take yourself too seriously, you're not taking God serious enough. If you take yourself too seriously, you're not taking God serious enough. There, there's a, a certain personality profile. You've heard of maybe Myers-Briggs or DISC or Strength Finder, and all these different things about how you're wired and stuff. But there's one called the Enneagram. And the Enneagram has nine personality profiles. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's inter- intricacies to it. So you, know, you wing a certain way or in stress, you react this way or that way. But, but there's a certain core number that tries to help you identify, why is it that I act that way or respond that way or or whatever it might be. And the number seven on the Enneagram is the party person. They're the kind of person that likes to have a good time all the time. And I know a bunch of sevens. My wife says, you used to be a seven, which is maybe an insult, I guess, a little bit. But um, sevens love to celebrate. And, and I would say this, that we need sevens in our lives because we do need to find reasons to celebrate regularly. And that is something that gets lost in a world that can feel so Debbie Downer, that can feel so serious and frustrating all the time. And while life obviously is serious, how many of you guys are aware we need reasons to laugh? I want to go way back, and so I got Reader's Digest, which is old school, and I also want to mention that some of you might remember uh, the day that Ronald Reagan was shot. He was trying to be assassinated uh, by Hinckley, and I want to read an article from Time Magazine that helps paint a picture that I think is worth us thinking about here for a few moments. It says this. This is from Time Magazine. When President Ronald Reagan was shot on this day, March 30th, 1981, it was anything but funny. The assassination attempt by John Hinckley Jr. required the president to undergo surgery and seriously wounded three others. But Reagan knew it was also important to convey to the country that he was going to be okay. And before he was told that others had been injured, he knew that humor could get the message across perhaps better than any other official reassurance. According to Times coverage of the assassination attempt, the very first thing he said to the first lady when she arrived at the hospital was, honey, I forgot to duck a reference to a one-liner used by boxer Jack Dempsey. The magazine compiled this list of his best reactions to the shooting um, and his own injuries to surgeons as he entered the operating room. Please tell me you're all Republicans. (laughs) Okay. Another one, in a written note, upon coming out of anesthesia in the recovery room, all in all, I'd rather be in Philadelphia, which is a quote from comedian W.C. Fields. In another note, recalling a Winston Churchill observation, there's no more exhilarating feeling than being shot at without result. Another one, a third note, send me to L.A. where I can see the air I'm breathing. <laughs> in yet another note written while surrounded by medical staff, if I had this much attention in Hollywood, I'd have stayed there. <laughs> to an attentive nurse, does Nancy know about us? <laughs> to a nurse who told him to keep up the good work of his recovery. You mean this may happen several more times? (laughs) To his daughter Maureen, the attempted assassination ruined one of my best suits. And then greeting White House aides the morning after surgery, hi fellas, I knew it would be too much to hope that we could skip a staff meeting today. (laughs) Why do I bring this up and why does laughter need to be a core of who we are in a series called This Is Church? because there's something about laughter that actually helps us cope. There's something healthy about laughter that we may read scripture and, 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 and look at the Bible and, and, and read the things that, that individuals wrote and not find a lot of humor, but the truth is there's reasons for humor. In fact, if you're taking notes, write down Proverbs fifteen fifteen. It says this, the cheerful heart has a continual feast. And yet the first part of that verse, which is on the screen says this, all the days of the oppressed are wretched but the cheerful heart has a continual feast there's another verse in it's proverbs 17:22 a cheerful heart is good medicine but a crushed spirit dries up the bones just a couple of proverbs that remind us about this idea of being cheerful about laughter about rejoicing and celebrating and having reasons for joy. It's essential to how we live. In fact, if you just take Proverbs 17, 22, and think about the times where you've had a crushed spirit, where I've had a crushed spirit, there's something about our perspective in those moments where you can go through a holiday season and be experiencing something so dark that you look and see other people are celebrating, but you can't. Other people might be rejoicing for certain reasons, but you can't. And it feels like when you have a crushed spirit, how will I ever get through this season? And yet there are many of us that sit here today as testimonies to God's graciousness, testimonies to God's work in us that we didn't give up and we can still find reasons to rejoice today. It says a crushed spirit dries up the bones, but the first part says a cheerful heart is good medicine. The Mayo Clinic has done all kinds of studies on on, on laughter and joy, and they made a few points that go like this, and I'm gonna zoom through these, but one, laughter is a great form of stress relief. Laughter actually stimulates our organs. Laughter soothes tension. Laughter improves our mood and improves our immune system. I know this seems a little cheesy, but I want you to do me a favor and just play along here. I want everybody to give me maybe a a decent kind of belly laugh on the count of three. Can we just do that? I know this is ridiculous, but just do it real quick. Okay, ready? One, two, three, go. (laughs) Doesn't it feel good? Like we're all like, this is ridiculous. But I actually learned as I was studying that there's actually a class you can take called laughter yoga, where they laugh and it lightens the mood and and it brings a buoyancy to people's spirits. There's something about laughter that's powerful. In fact, I was uh, joking with Eli earlier because there's there's actually an app you can download that that literally will just do this every night. You can just, oh man. That's the whole app, but since that makes me laugh, I will randomly be using this the rest of my life, okay? <laughs> I actually was going to buy a real ear horn. I thought I'm going to scare everybody, so I'll just use this one and it'll be fine. In fact, I'm going to get a little bit cheesy again, and I'm going to jump into this Reader's Digest. Laughter is the best medicine. Here's a few I want to read to you. A young couple had a fatal car accident on the way to their wedding. By the way, don't worry about the theology of this because that's not the point. Bear with me. When they met St. Peter at the pearly gates, they asked if it was possible for them to marry in heaven. He said he would make some inquiries and get back to them. A year later, St. Peter found the couple and told them they could get married. Well, could we get a divorce if it doesn't work out? They wanted to know. Good grief, St. Peter exclaimed. It took me a whole year to find a preacher up here, and now you want me to find a lawyer? So, yeah, yeah. I feel good about that one, real, real good about that one. A couple more. Again, kind of ridiculous. Okay, overheard. My greatest fear is that I will be standing behind Mother Teresa in the final judgment line and hear God tell her, you know, you should have done more. (laughs) So bad. Okay, Um, here's a great one. 90-year-old Sam bought a hairpiece, had a facelift, and worked out at the gym for six months. Then he found a widow half his age to take to dinner. As they got out of his sports car, Sam was struck by lightning and died at the gates of heaven. He ran up to God and asked, why me? Oh, Sam, God replied, I didn't recognize you. So, okay. (laughs) And, uh, okay, just one more, all right, so. Surprised to see an empty seat at the Super Bowl, a diehard fan remarked about it to a woman sitting nearby. Uh, It was my husband's, the woman explained, but he died. I'm very sorry, said the man, but I'm really surprised that another relative or friend didn't jump at the chance to take the seat reserved for him. Well, beats me, she said. They all insisted on going to the funeral. (laughs) 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 You're welcome. Be here all week. So, okay. Let me get down to the core of of this whole thing, if if that's even possible anymore. We should just dismiss and be done. Um, I want to focus for a second on the words of an angel in Luke chapter 2 that we often associate with the Christmas story. (laughs) It was an angel that said to the shepherds in Luke 2.10, do not be afraid, for see, I'm bringing good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, the angel said this to the shepherds, but it's a reminder to you and me, because what was the angel talking about? The angel in the Christmas story in Luke 2 is referring to what Jesus would do and who Jesus was as the Messiah. And what I know about those of us that have faith in Christ is that we believe that God cared so much about us that he sent his son to the world to pay the price on the cross, was died, buried and and rose from the, the, the dead, giving us life eternally, that God cares about us that much. That's actually the point the angel is making about the good news that will be great joy for all the people. Every now and then, scripture talks about you and me. And this is one of those references when the angel says, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. We might as well be going like this, because the good news of Christ is for all of us. And if you and I can hold on to in our hearts the good news of what Christ has done, then we always have reason to rejoice. Amen. We always have reason to anchor ourselves to celebration. And it's not that our circumstances are always good. It's not that things always go our way. It's not that we don't face disappointment, disillusionment. It's not that our emotions get engaged and there's dread or fear or anger that rises up sometimes. But the point is we don't anchor ourselves to the emotion. We don't anchor ourselves to the experience. You and I are called to anchor ourselves to Christ. It's why Jesus said, when you build your house, don't build it on, what? Sand, but build it on the rock. That we build on something firm. We stand on the rock of our salvation. Jesus says, when the winds came and the, the, the floods rose up and all that happened, the one that was on the sand crumbled, but the one on the rock stood the test of time. The idea is anchor yourself to me in John chapter 15, write it down, verse 11. Jesus goes into a, a speech with his disciples. And he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, remain in me. And over and over and over, in a span of a few verses, he says, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. When you remain in me, you'll bear a lot of fruit. Without me, you're, you're, you can do nothing. And then in verse 11, he says, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. It's why when Paul writes to a church he cares desperately about, the church at Philippi, in Philippians chapter four, you can read, and by the way, this is Paul's most upbeat letter to all the churches he wrote to. And he's telling the church to be a church that celebrates God's goodness in Christ, that doesn't deviate from from who Christ is because of bad teachings that go around because of circumstances that get them off base. He says, remain focused. And where did he write Philippians from? Does anyone know? Jail. Jail. He's in prison, and yet he's saying, rejoice. Celebrate who God is. And in verse four of Philippians four, he says, rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Oh, I misquoted it? Rejoice in the Lord here and there. Rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. Rejoice in the Lord when things are going your way. Rejoice in the Lord when you get a promotion. Rejoice in the Lord when you get a raise. Rejoice in the Lord when you you find your soulmate. Rejoice in the Lord when you buy a new car. Rejoice in the Lord when you close on a new home. Rejoice in the Lord when things are great. Does he say any of those things? No. what does he say? Rejoice in the Lord. Come on Paul, you're off your rocker. No, in fact, he's in prison. And at certain points in prison, he suffered. At certain points in prison, he was in the stocks, hands and feet bound, sometimes his head as well. There's a story in Acts of Paul in prison with Silas, and what do they do? Does anyone remember? Worship. And what happens, the light that they shine is a testimony to all those within the jail. And that's Paul's point. It doesn't matter the circumstances. What matter is at the core is we always have Christ. Sorry, that that was kind of lame, I guess. Felt kind of flat there. For those of us that say we're followers of Christ, is it not true that he's always with us? That he'll never leave us or forsake us? that he's the God of all comfort, that he's the peace that passes understanding, that he is the refuge, that he's all these things. That's why we can always have reason to rejoice. I was talking with somebody between the gatherings a little bit earlier who was sharing. I started coming here about 21 years ago and I go, oh, I was still, I was here back then. She goes, I know, I remember. (laughs) I didn't get into it. (laughs) Didn't have the guts to, I guess. Um, But but she goes, I was going through a really, really, really hard time. She began to share the story of her leaning into her faith when things were terrible. Her circumstances were rough. But she said, that's what got me through. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I want everyone to say it. Rejoice in the Lord. And then what does he say? I will say it again, rejoice. You want to memorize a verse today? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. That for you and I, in the midst of all we face, we have a God who cares enough to never leave us to never forsake us, to never walk away from us. That even the, 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 uh, Peter, I think it is, says when, when we are faithless, he's still faithful. Is that not a testimony to his grace, his goodness? Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. I do love humor and I've gotten to know John and Susan Otto for a lot of years now, and, and I'm really good friends with, with their kids and, and enjoy them, but um, John and Susan are precious to me. Anybody know them, John and Susan? Some of you don't know them. I'm going to put them on the screen here. John and Susan Otto are awesome people. On the screen. Ready? Go. Okay, there we go. John and Susan Otto are awesome. And I, I've got to know them well and Susan was on our board for a bunch of years and, and they've served in different positions here. They're incredible people, but I love hanging out with John. And John is a deadpan kind of guy, like, like really serious, but like not really serious, like act serious, but there's some humor there that you gotta get. And so there's certain points where he shared with me different stories that I'm like, that's awesome. At one point, him and I took a fishing trip to Montana and um, it, was, it was John and I, another guy, and we were driving there and we pulled over in Coeur d'Alene somewhere and we grabbed some food. And then he starts taking this random back road And I'm like, where are you going, I-90's over there. And he literally shut me down by looking at me and going like this, watch and learn, watch and learn. So every now and then, if you see me encounter John Otto, I'll say, hey, Johnny, watch and learn. Because as he continued to drive through this obscure road, we ended up in a neighborhood at a dead end and we had to go all the way back. And so I got to go, oh, watch and learn, huh? So from then on out, I call him Johnny, watch and learn. Another great story. He, 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 relayed this, he relayed this to me a couple of weeks ago. He said, we were on a mission trip back in the, gosh, I think he said 70s, might've been 80s. He said, we were on a mission trip to Hawaii. Okay, that's funny enough right there. I'm like, <laughs> I wanna do those trips, right? We're on a mission trip to Hawaii and we've got this choir thing and we're touring different churches and singing and stuff like that. And we're taking pictures of the churches and the people and the pastors and all this stuff, having a great time. He said, I don't sing, but I was there with, with my wife. And so there's Sue and we're doing all this stuff. And, and we went to the beach one day. She said, she got a brand new bright red bathing suit. And so at one point she's on the beach and I zoom in, I take a picture of her and she's posing like this in her bathing suit. And we go on with the trip and we take pictures of churches and pastors and people and all this stuff. And then we get back. And when we get back, we do a Sunday night service where we do a slideshow. You know exactly where it's going. Yeah, exactly. So here he is, and he's telling me this over the phone the other day. And he says, so we're watching the slideshow and there's all these memories. And we're like, that was cool, that was cool. And all of a sudden, randomly, the picture comes up of her on the beach in her bathing suit going like this. And the pastor's like "Ah!" Like all the air gets sucked out of the room. And poor Susan is embarrassed and all that stuff. It's funny now. And I said, would you share that on a Sunday? He says, I don't get in front of people. So I said, fine, I'll share this story, but I love how that moment would be mortifying, but really, really funny for the rest of us. If you ever see John and Susan Otto, and they were here in our earlier gathering today and they headed out already, but the whole point of this is church is for you to get to understand we are the church. And we laugh, it's okay. He shares another story of of, a pastor, you know, Ron Masters, very serious guy, and the kind of guy you call Pastor Masters or Pastor Ron or whatever. You call him that, you don't call him anything else. And so John's out golfing. And at one point, Ron Masters puts his ball on the tee and and, and gets up to hit the ball. And John Otto goes, Hey, tee it on up there, Ronnie. (laughs) And he literally goes, He turned around super slow motion, and he goes, What did you just call me? (laughs) He goes, I never called him that again. (laughs) I want to have um, T and, and Taylor come up if we could. Or where are they at? They're sitting separate. Must be in a fight or something. But anyway, they're not. Just kidding. Come on up here. Um, like I said, part of this series is just you getting to know. Who are we? There's, I know there's so many stories here. But last weekend was a pretty cool one for you guys. Come on up over here for a moment. This is T and, and this is Taylor. And they sit up here during the 845 on Sundays. And so because I sit up here, we always worship together. So every time it's like, hey, say hi to somebody, I get to say hi to, to Taylor and, and harass him a little bit. But um, you guys have been part of the Grove for a few years now. I just wanted you to share a little bit of, Last weekend was significant for a couple of reasons. One, um, you got baptized. I got the pleasure of getting to baptize you and celebrate in that moment, which I loved. But then something pretty amazing happened later on that I'll let you share. But why don't you, just your experience at the Grove, just briefly, some of the history of being part. So either one of you. You want to go first? What do you want me to T? Taylor? Taylor? T? Taylor? Hey,
0: guys. Uh, My name's T, and I've been coming to the Grove for about four years. And I've always... um, uh, struggled with what I wanted to do with my career. Um, I'm pretty savvy, I'm, um, I'm post-military, I've, I served for seven years and I've always had a draw to kids. And, um, and I asked Tim Miller if he needed help one day and Tim was up working in the kids' wing and he was like, yeah, you know, we need some help. And it just, um, it wasn't the time um, COVID hit and um, you know, I, you know, we all dealt with COVID the way we had to, and um, about a year later, uh, Jesse Denius, um had a call to ask for help um, for leaders. So I student, felt- Student ministry. Student ministry. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. And it's so funny that it started there because now I'm yeah. involved in tutoring and I'm involved in everything, you know? Um, yeah. But last weekend, my, my son, who's 10, um, watched his dad get baptized, and, um, and I was able to baptize my own, my own baby. And to do that was uh, incredible, um, because, because my son, um, when he was born, he uh, was supposed to pass um, I was actually told by surgeons to prepare yourself because your baby's not making it through the night. And that was, it was a real, a real thing for me. Um, and all I had was God. Yeah. And all I had was his comfort. I didn't have parents. Um, still don't. Well, I, I refer to God as my dad, yeah. which yeah. is, um, that's honestly what I do. So, so
1: what you're saying, you ha- having had, TK. Um,
0: yeah.
1: You... you. Ten years later, ten years you got later. to baptize. You said your baby. To be clear, yeah. you're baptizing your baby, your ten year old. Yeah. Um. Last Sunday in the eleven yeah. o'clock. So <laughs> Taylor gets baptized at the eight thirty. Um. TK's like, hey, I, I I need to take this step. And by the way, he he's in, a, uh, he's in class right now. But when he was here in the eight thirty, he actually kind of preached a little mini sermon saying, well, I realized I needed to take a step, and it's all I always want to walk in obedience and and do those things that God wants me to do. Yeah. So I realized I needed to get baptized. Yeah. So you got to in the eleven o'clock baptizing. Yeah. You guys have been. A part of the church for, you said about four years. Yeah. And, um, why don't you share a little bit, Taylor, kind of your journey? Um, cause I love your perspective as well. <laughs> okay. So, um,
2: I started about three, or four years ago, something like that. Um, we weren't sure as a family, we were, we were trying to find a church cause our boys, our, our younger boy would have got baptized. Uh, last Sunday, too, but he was with his mom. But um, as a family, we decided, hey, we're going to start going to church because the kids were interested in it. I went as a younger child um, and kind of lost my way. Um, And Tiffany and I both were like, "Let's, let's just check out churches and see where it goes. And this was the first one we actually were looking up. And we showed up one day and we're like, this feels really good. We're going to come back. And we just kept coming back, coming back. And then eventually Tiffany got involved with um, the youth group um, on Wednesday nights. Uh, She did that for what, about a year? Yeah. Well, and then I joined a little bit after. But um, I came in and one of the students, I was talking to him. And um, that's when I decided, you know what, this might be my thing. Um, I felt God calling for me to help this certain individual um, out. Uh, so I came back the next week with all my paperwork signed and ready to go. Um, and it's been a blessing just to be able to help kids out and Explain to him, hey, not everything's going to be bad. Um, You're going to go through ups, downs. You know, I went through ups and downs, found myself back in church. And um, like I said in the earlier service, my job's pretty uh, stressful at times. Um, And then I had real high test anxiety as a kid too. So God's helped me through that as well because I'd pray that the nights before tests and it made me wake up the next morning feeling a little more at ease. Yeah.
1: And I, I do love that you said that part because you mentioned like as as you surrendered to Christ, you kind of learning you went to, went to church as a kid, came back part of here committed your life to Christ. But you had mentioned specifically, and you just said it too, as you, you were taking tests, you're praying and God's given you a certain peace. As you're going through certain things, you're navigating it differently. And there's, there's a big difference in, in how God is working in and through you because you're doing that. And that's what I love. It's not, not just your story, hey, glad you're involved in our student ministry, which I am, I'm so glad. Um, but also like, hey, last weekend going, I need to take a step and get baptized. And what I love is for TK to see you do that and go, you know what? I gotta be obedient too and just what God is doing in your family. I just celebrate that. I wanted them to share a little bit, just again, so you can get to know, as you see people walking through the lobby and in here and all over the place, these are some of the stories. And these stories are represented by every one of you in every seat, that you've got your own story. And the hope is that we understand we as a church in this together can have that empathy and that grace, that compassion, that ability to get to know one another. And also, and this is part of why I wanted them to share today, celebrate that you got baptized that TK got baptized and that you two years back were baptized as well, that God is doing a really, really cool work and we celebrate with you and I wanna pray for you. Can we do that? Just you stretch your arms out. I know we use this a lot. Stretch your arms out this way just as a show of unity together as we pray. Father, we are so grateful for T. We're grateful for Taylor, for what you're doing in TK as well as their, their other kiddo, God. We just thank you for your blessing and the work of your Holy Spirit, God, and the ability to celebrate. I saw them multiple celebrations on social media this week about what you've been doing in this family. And we pray you would continue to surround, continue to encourage, continue to be the anchor of their souls, God, that in the midst of a world that, that blows us back and forth and up and down in all kinds, of ways that they continue to lean into you, whether it's test anxiety or a job that's full of anxiety, or even as T had mentioned before in, in her involvement with the military, which we're grateful for, but that God, there are certain experiences that she's had that can that can walk with her and, and, and continue to be trauma. But we pray you would rise her up and be her strength and her source. And thank you that we got to know them just a little bit more today in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Would you give him a hand here? I appreciate you guys sharing your story, really do. When we talk about all this, it is part of who we are. And as we wrap up today, the the reminder is this, in a world where it can be so serious, when do you celebrate? And there's nothing wrong with celebrating anniversaries or birthdays. There's nothing wrong with celebrating promotions. There's nothing wrong with with celebrating certain high points in our lives. Absolutely, we should. But at the end of the day, when it seems like there's no reason to celebrate, do you still? Do you feel like maybe celebration in your life is few and far between? I know we laughed earlier, but when was the last time you just had a good belly laugh? When was the last time you, you were able to rejoice? And if not for all of your circumstances, at least because you and I if we've given our lives of faith in Christ, have reason every day, as Paul says in Philippians 4:4. rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Father, today it is my prayer that, that this is church and as weird as it can be that we read some jokes in a Reader's Digest thing or, or we hear a Ronald Reagan, those are funny, but those are kind of peripheral to the fact that in our own faith, there's reasons to rejoice. That God, we can look at the words of Jesus and, and, and realize that when he worded certain things, it was meant to be silly. That when he said, hey, you're trying to get a little sawdust out of your brother's eye, but you have a two by four coming out of yours, that's not gonna work. That Jesus, when you said about the religious leaders, why is it that you strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel? It was meant to be silly. It was, it was hyperbolic, it was, it, was, it was ridiculous. God, when we look at Proverbs and it it says, look, there's reasons for laughter, and we should, that there's something healthy about it. God, I pray for some in this room that life feels so serious, some that are watching online, life feels so daunting. God, I pray that if at the end of the day, there aren't many things to celebrate, that we would find ourselves celebrating who you are, celebrating that you're with us, celebrating that you care so much celebrating that really in the end, you win. I pray you would be the anchor to our rejoicing. And again, nothing wrong with a birthday, nothing wrong with an anniversary, nothing wrong with a season coming up, Christmas, where we, we remember the entrance of the Messiah into this world. Amazing. Thanksgiving, in a month from now, that we gather and, and, and stop to, to give Thanks. I pray that we would constantly mine reasons to rejoice, dig out reasons to rejoice. But at times when it seems like there aren't any, I pray that you would be the anchor to our celebration. Just like Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. Let me say it again, rejoice. Help us play that out in Jesus' name.